When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast. I have a very, very special episode for you today. We're actually taking a break from the video podcast this week, and we are publishing this to the audio-only platforms. And the reason for that is that I am on a very tight book deadline, and so I'm trying to devote my energy to that right now. And I'm also recording this intro from Spokane, Washington, where I'm out traveling and speaking. Uh, But I wanted to, to come on here and introduce you to what you're about to hear. What you're about to here is the audio from my friend John Cooper's podcast, Cooper Stuff, from a couple of weeks ago, where he interviewed the director of a crisis pregnancy center. Actually, they don't call him that anymore, as I learned on the episode, but a pregnancy resource center. Her name is Jenna Cross. I thought she was so articulate, so brilliant in the way that she uh, interacted with some of the really profound misconceptions about the pro-life view. The main one being, and I'm sure some of you have heard this, as everybody seems to be talking about abortion right now, I'm sure you've heard somebody say, well, Christians don't care about women, or Christians don't really care about anything past just getting the baby born. Well, I would challenge anybody who believes that to listen to this episode, listen to the statistics, the data, the personal experience of Jenna Cross, and she's just one director of one center in one place, but she has data for uh, all over the country. I'm telling you, this is a mind-blowing episode if you are unfamiliar with some of these arguments. One of the most profound things I think she said was, she said, evil men love abortion. And she makes a really good case for that. So I want you to, uh, I wanted to make sure that my audience got to hear this because what we are going to do very soon is we are going to do a live Q&A with Jen. I've reached out to her and she's agreed. So if you have friends in your life that you kind of go back and forth with about abortion and you want to invite them to ask their skeptical questions, Jenna is up for it. She will take those questions live and that will take place on May 29th. That's the 29th of this month at 4 p.m. Central and that'll be on YouTube. So please join us on YouTube again, May 29th at 4 p.m. PM Central Time. Bring your skeptical questions. And if you are pro-life and you want to ask Jenna uh, just maybe how to answer a particular argument or maybe some questions you may have, everybody can bring their questions. All are welcome to ask those questions. And I just encourage you to listen to every single word of what you are about to hear because it is a brilliant podcast and it will bust some myths I think that a lot of people have about pro-life. All right, here we go. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Cooper Sub. This is a uh, something I've been wanting to do with uh, Jenna for a little bit, a while, and this is the time to do it. As everybody knows, Roe v. Wade, all this news came out about this draft. Who knows? Maybe this is really going to be overturned in terms in terms of the federal law. So all of a sudden, I was like, I'm coming home from vacation. This is the time to come to this uh, center that is four-minute drive from my house that is doing incredible work. We're going to talk about this question. Do pro-lifers even care about women? There's a new there's a new charge that I keep uh, seeing a lot. So we are here at the, am I saying it? Alliance for Women's Health. Alliance Women's Clinic. Alliance, I keep forgetting all the names. She's told me seven <laughs> times. Alliance Women's Clinic. And this is my friend, Jenna Cross, and she is the executive director mm-hmm. of this clinic, which is a pregnancy... Medical clinic. Pregnancy medical clinic. I can't remember all the words. I know. There's a lot of words. Uh, so, you know, uh, full disclosure, there there are, I want everybody to know before we start, there are a lot of personal things we have uh, with this. Um, we go to church together. 
So uh, we are friends with Jenna and her husband, Steve, and their family, as well as our church, uh, I think, supports this uh, clinic pretty big time. And I want people to understand when I talk about my church, our church has about three or 400 people. Mm -hmm. We are not a mega church. We're we're a three or 400 people type church, but we, I think we do pretty great work, if I can say so myself, um, supporting this clinic in which they do amazing work. All right. So uh, last thing I need to say is that this clinic was redone by my drummer, Jen Ledger, the band Skillet. They came in with a crew. Yes, they did. did fantastic work. They did, right? I'm so thankful. We should show people around we in a should. while. Because yeah, they came in and redid the place yes. and just made it, uh, it made it uh, welcoming. Absolutely. A place where people feel comfortable coming and those sort of things. So enough of my talking. I'm going to introduce you to Jenna. And here's how I want to, to kind of break this up. I want to break it up into a few parts. Number one, I want Jenna to tell us uh, what they even do here. Is all that you do here is just try to force people to have kids or do we do other things too? She's going to tell us some of those things. Secondly, I asked Jenna to prepare some information, statistics. I think there's a lot of, of information, there's a lot of accusations going on, a lot of misinformation and this, that, and the other. We're going to talk about that on the back end. But I think before we start, unfortunately... We have to talk about some of the definitions of terms Mm -hmm. because as we've been talking, a lot of the definitions keep changing. Mm -hmm. So that's enough of my talk. And I'll ask you, do you want to start and give us some definition of terms? What's the difference between you call this a pregnancy health center Mm -hmm. and the difference between that and a crisis pregnancy center? And then the pro-life distinctions that we're seeing pop up a a lot right now. Absolutely. So a crisis pregnancy center is kind of the older... Uh, name of what we do, but that has changed over time to being known as pregnancy resource centers or pregnancy medical clinics, because the reality is that a lot of the women that come in through our doors, not everyone is in crisis. A lot of women need some support. They're vulnerable. They need some resources, some care, but to call it a crisis pregnancy center is quite misleading as to the condition, actual condition of most of the moms that come in. Crisis is uh, obviously really high level of need, which some of our moms do have a high level of need and we're happy to meet them there. But Mm -hmm. Pregnancy Resource Center uh, is a better word probably. We provide a lot of resources for moms. I'll explain that. Pregnancy medical clinics, some uh, of these centers qualify for that. If you are overseen by a medical director, we do have an OBGYN who gives us all of our standing orders, mm-hmm. looks at all of our ultrasounds, oversees everything that we do oh, here that qualifies they us. They are on staff here? Uh, they are not on location, but yes, are uh, oversee okay. our operations and um, provide us with our cool. mm-hmm. or, or, orders for the services that we provide mm-hmm. for the moms. So that, those cool. are some of the differences. Yeah. All right, you know, great. Now, before we jump into exactly, um, I'm thinking of office space. Mm-hmm. So what do you do here? Right. Uh, before we jump into that, can you tell us then, The reason I kind of want to have this is because of all these distinctions on what it means to be pro-life. We used to have this one definition. Now there's, there's people kind of confusing the issues. Even a lot of people see my, my daughter was telling me uh, last night, she's like, she's like, well, yeah, well, one of my friends keeps posting about how she's actually pro-life. And, and of course I know what she means, Mm -hmm. but I said, oh, okay. So, but is she also like anti-abortion? She's like, she's like, oh, absolutely not. She supports third trimester abortions, but calls herself pro-life. Can you explain to us the differences? Absolutely. There's been such a move to uh, basically steal the pro-life label, put it onto other things, when the reality of what we're dealing with with abortion is 2,400 lives every single day in the United States being destroyed through abortion, Mm -hmm. being murdered through abortion. And people who are truly pro-life will stand up and be a voice for those voiceless individuals, those innocent individuals to say, we believe in your right to life and we're going to support you. And we know that you are vulnerable and don't have a voice and we're going to be a voice for that. That is the pro-life movement. And to say, well, you're not really pro-life unless you're this, or you're not really pro-life unless you're that, that, those are the arguments that you'll hear, well, we can be for a lot of other things that empower individuals. And Mm. that is fantastic. And I'm for that. But to say I'm pro-life, but I don't support these 2,400 per day, 900,000 per year babies who are being killed in the womb. I don't support them. Well, you can't call yourself pro-life in our opinion as the pro-life movement, Mm. if you're not going to stand up. Yes. (laughs) Now, what are some of the things that they consider to be pro-life, even if they are pro-woman's choice, they call themselves pro-life, but 
But uh, what, what do they mean? Yeah, I think I've seen things as like immigration reform, um, gun control, some things like that being kind of taken as, well, this is pro-life or for uh, climate climate issues, climate right. justice, all of these kind of progressive causes. It's They're trying to t- yeah. say, well, we're pro-life because we support that. I've seen that too. It, it feels like a, a very confusing amalgamation of mm-hmm. things would just see people um, protesting for climate right. justice, right. which is what they call it. Um, climate justice uh, and saying that we are not pro-life because we are not fighting for climate justice, as they call it, environmental whatever. But there's also then a move that's happening um, in Christianity, right? And I've talked about this on on the program a lot. Even on the Christian side, there is what I would consider to be uh, there. I consider to be on the Christian left, mm-hmm. and I think they are not pro-life the way that I think of pro-life. They still sometimes say that they actually think abortion is wrong, right. but that they are supportive of policies on the left. Because those policies will help decrease abortions. Mm -hmm. So they call themselves pro-life. They say that we are not pro-life because all that we care about is. Now, I don't know if there is necessarily big on like the climate, the climate stuff, Mm -hmm. but they do seem to bring all these other aspects in. Uh, Well, like welfare, child care, um, health insurance. Mm -hmm. I can't even think of what else, but they, they, there's kind of no end to what all they can bring into it. Is that that's kind of right. Yes, absolutely. There is this big move to say, well, if if we are going to be pro-life and against abortion, then you must be for X, Y, Z, and it's all leftist policy. And so, you know, we can get into that, but what we're seeing day to day is the actual repercussions of what liberal policies have done to women. We're seeing people who um, are have been just demoralized by generations of well, the welfare state and not having any way out of that or, or any hope to get out of that. And that is a really sad thing to see someone in front of you who has everything that they need, isn't saying that they you know, have any particular financial need, but they don't have any, any real hope of getting out. And people are telling them that the easiest way out is abortion. If you're in, in a situation where you're pregnant, then you can just have an abortion and that'll make things better. Apparently uh, doesn't make anything better, but these policies have not improved things. I mean, in the sixties, 75% of babies um, born in black families was, were born to married couples. And now, now it's 75% or more that are born to single mothers. So Mm. it's just been a massive change since these policies were enacted that basically subsidized single motherhood and destroyed the nuclear family. So that's a, a political debate that you know we can have as far as what policies have helped and what haven't. I have strong opinions on that. Mm-hmm. But to say that in order to uh, in order to actually care about abortion, we have to be for all these policies is it's crazy. It's not true. Mm-hmm. And what we see is that women do actually have these needs for the most part already met. If they come in and they don't have insurance, we can help them get on insurance, mm. get insurance coverage. And that's something that we do here. If they come in and they need childcare assistance, we can get them childcare assistance for free. That is no problem. If they, uh, I can't remember what else you brought up as far as. Mm. Um, I can't remember exactly now, but it, but it actually brings up something that yeah. I want to interject because yeah. I want to ask you specifically right. about mm-hmm. that. One of the things that I think that I just want to mention is that this leads to what I, like the pejoratives. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes people don't know what the word pejorative means, but a, a quick Cooper stuff definition. Whenever you, <laughs> when, it, when I tell people that they're commies, that's a pejorative. All right. A pejorative is basically like when you're trying, you're trying to uh, make a point and you exaggerate something and you make it into a one word, a one word attack on somebody. And so the new pejorative for people like me is that I am not pro-life. They, they attack me by calling me pro-birth. Mm-hmm. They say, you're not pro-life, you're pro-birth. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that means is, yeah, you care about the baby and you you don't care anything about the mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody actually had, there's a comment on Cooper's stuff a few weeks back about all this stuff. Somebody said was attacking me for being pro-birth and he, and he was like, you say you blah, blah, blah for Jesus, but you don't give, he was cussing, you don't give a blankety blank about those children because you're not actually pro-life. So the pejorative, the attack, is that you're pro-birth. Um, last year, I don't know if people remember on Cooper stuff, but I decided that I would, uh, 
Uh, what do you call when there's like a bad word and people people take the word and they use it themselves to try to make it lose its power? You, well, you see it a lot with racial slurs. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So basically, you you take the word and and then whatever that racial slur is, yeah. you hear it in all the songs, right. uh-huh. and and it's sort of like we're taking the power from from that word and and kind of reappropriating it. Mm-hmm. So I reappropriate. So sometimes I call myself pro-birth just to make people mad. Absolutely. I'm unapologetically pro-birth. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm pro-birth. Like, yeah. you're not going to get me with the pejorative right. b- because uh, I'm not, I'm not going to play it. But I do think that the charge is what we're getting at here. I want to yeah. read this quote. Then I want to ask you specifically. So rather than me, guys, um, play a clip for you to where it seems like I'm attacked. I don't want to attack anybody on this episode. I'm trying to be nice. This is nice, John, today. <laughs> I feel nice. Do you feel You're nice? Being very nice. I'm yeah. being very nice. So I'm not going to say who this is, but I got in a little bit of a Twitter battle this week, and uh, I just want to read you a quote. This is on the Ali Beth Stuckey podcast. Um, Ali shares um, our opinion on a lot of this stuff. I'm uh, from listening to her, so she had a guest on. So this is Ali's question to this guest. She says. When I look over at progressives, maybe it's just a caricature, but what I see is a complete denunciation of the sanctity of life, a complete denunciation of biblical marriage and gender as being totally bigoted. And that feels like the other side hates me, and I can't even imagine voting for the party that represents that. She asked her guest, she says, will you tell me where I'm wrong or where I'm seeing something that isn't true? Now, that's very nice. This is Allie being really nice. And so her guest that she had on is a Christian. Um, he he claims to be pro-life, and, and it's a Christian movement that they say is pro-whole life. And that some of these confusing things kind of come in here. And this was his answer to her. So she says, tell me where I'm wrong. Your side of the aisle, see, you're, you want me to vote for the left, but it seems like the left is getting so extreme that I can't even belong. I think they hate me is what she's saying, which I think sounds about right to me. And this is his answer. He said, no, I've written about the extremes we've gone to on the Democratic side of things when it comes to those two issues. I'm not going to battle you and try to justify the party on that, which is good, right? He's not going to buy it. But, but notice he says, I've written about the extremes. He doesn't say they have a problem with, 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 with abortion on his face. So he says, no, I, I've written about that. We've gone to extremes on these things. But then he says, I don't care enough about the party to do that, and I think that they're wrong in that regard. I think the one thing you might want to consider, though, is how those issues got such a foothold and why in some ways they are gaining momentum on those issues. Turn the page. And I feel like it's because Christians did not have what I would call a whole life perspective. Now, this kind of plays into what we were talking about, about the the pro-whole life, all right? So so here's what he's saying. Yeah, they've gone too far. I think they're wrong. They've gone too far. But I think it's because Christians did not have a whole life perspective. I think because in many instances, Christians were not as compassionate to people who had crisis pregnancies or people who were LGBTQ who really were looking for community who were our neighbors and our brothers and sisters and weren't responded to in a loving way. So this is kind of what got me wanting to have this conversation. These two ideas of pro-life. And so the charge is this, Jenna, you run a clinic for women here. Um, Are you just pro-birth or are there other things you're doing? Now, you said women come in. So let's just start with who can come into this clinic? Who is this invited to? Right. So anyone is welcome to come into our clinic for our services. Our services are always completely free to all of our clients. You don't charge any money. Charge no money. No money. No money. This is completely funded by pro-life Christians. It's very very pro-birth of you. Yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead. So yes. So completely free services. They come in. We do a pregnancy test. We'll do an ultrasound, confirm their pregnancy, and talk through all of their options with them. We find out what are their biggest needs, what are the things that are of concern to them, whether that be um, financial or relational, spiritual. They have opportunity to share that with us, and we start to work towards solutions for those things. There's a lot of times immediate things that we can do right away. We have a social worker on staff that we can pull in to help uh, help apply for insurance, help someone get established with uh, prenatal care. If can I interrupt real yes, quick? Yes, please. What do you mean by um, 
a social worker to help apply for insurance. What, mm-hmm. what is involved in that? Yeah, it's a process that for most of our clients, they're able to, um, they qualify for Medicaid coverage. So even this idea that women can't get insurance is not the truth. Women can get insurance. Uh, women who uh, um, are, uh, yeah, in a, are poor in a difficult circumstance are able to qualify for insurance if they haven't applied for it. We can help them apply for it. Is yes. that a, um, is that a, Wisconsin, is that Wisconsin law or do you think that that might be other places in the nation that's, as well? That's across the nation. It is? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yep. All right. Yes. So women are able to obtain coverage for their pregnancies and the laws do vary state to state by who qualifies and how you apply and all of that type of thing. But there, there aren't women in this country who just absolutely cannot you know, possibly keep a food on the table for their kids or a roof over their heads. We live in a country that does have an incredible social safety net. So, you know, in those extreme cases, you're looking at a situation where there's an incredible amount of substance abuse going on or some type of extreme situation. Um, But even then, there are women's shelters where they can go, where they're actually able to obtain help if they really want it, you Mm. know, if they're willing to um, do the things that are required to be able to stay in that place. And that's a, you know, that there's an if with that. That there's an if, but if you're asking, is the care available? The care is available. And so I think it would be good if, so in other words, let's say somebody doesn't have health insurance Mm -hmm. and they're like, I need to find out if for sure I am pregnant. I don't know what to do. And they don't want to spend money to go. So they can come here for free. Yep. And you can find out what's what and, mm-hmm. and what, what your option is. Yes. I think that that's a, a, a great service. Mm-hmm. When people do, for Medicaid, for instance, mm-hmm. is that something that people pay X amount for and then the government covers X amount? It depends on the circumstance. So it would depend on what your income is, what your okay. situation is. So all of that would be dependent upon those different variables. But those are things that for people who are struggling in life, who are facing challenges, it is overwhelming to get online and find out what you qualify sure. for and find out Absolutely. what resources are available to you. I mean, it's overwhelming for me sometimes to find out what what is available to me in different contexts. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we want to be able to help with that. We want to be able to say, oh, okay, well, you have this need, so let's we'll, we'll help you with that. Let's help you get that um, that coverage mm-hmm. that you need. Let's fill out this application together. We can say, okay, what you need to apply for this is these different documents. So get these different documents and let's set our next appointment, and then we'll do that together. We'll fill out that I application see. together, and we'll get you going towards what you need. And so, and so for social worker, like mm-hmm. if somebody come in who had been abused or was being abused or something of that nature, then you're prepared to deal with that. Absolutely. And we would ask screening questions right away in our first visit. If they come with anybody, we'll take mom back first to talk with her. Um, When we get our health history, we're asking screening questions to find out if there's depression or suicidal tendencies, to find out if there's abuse of any kind Mm. or she's safe in her home. We're asking all those Mm. questions and we have protocols in place if there is something going on, um, if it's a minor, what we would do, and if it's a woman who's wanting to get out of a situation, what we would do and how mm. we would make her safe, which isn't true of the abortion movement. I mean, there is undercover footage of people going into Planned Parenthoods and and basically posing as a pimp, a trafficker, and asking questions, fishing for what, what would you do if, you know, if I brought in oh, uh, really? a girl or underage girl, mm. you know, and... And they do sweep these things under the rug. They do Mm. sweep abuse under the rug. Women who've gotten out of these settings have said, um, well, I I had eight abortions during that time, right? How does this happen? There are signs that you can't Mm. miss if they're not actually willing to look the other way to abuse. But, you know, evil people love abortion. Evil men love abortion. If you're an abuser, if you're a trafficker, if you're a rapist, you know, nothing could make you happier than the fact that you can just sweep that under the rug. Mm. You can just take care of the consequences of your actions. And in those, in those horrible circumstances, nobody actually asks the woman what she wants. So if we're talking about women's empowerment, in a lot of these cases, women do want to have their baby and their baby would actually be a source of freedom for them, a source of being able to actually escape this horrifying circumstance, mm. but they're trapped and they're not actually able to choose that for themselves. Yeah. So this is a very, it's a very <clears throat> um, evil movement. People who are doing abortions are running these places. This is, this is evil. It's godless. It's 
horrible what's yeah. happening. And if we actually think about what happens in an abortion, what's actually done, it's easy to realize this has to be demonic. This is demonic. Right. This is mm -hmm. such a depth of evil. So as Christians, the idea that we would even we would even kind of go with some of their arguments. We'd even adopt as a premise some of the things that they would say mm -hmm. as a starting place is just, it's crazy to me. Why yeah. would, why are we going to basically take as the truth what the pro-abortion evil movement is saying is the truth about these mm -hmm. circumstances and then trying to say, okay, well, this is the truth because they say it is, even though they're liars and they're murderers. Mm -hmm. Why would we take what they say is the truth and and then try to, from there, figure out what we're gonna do about it versus actually looking at what is the truth of these circumstances? Right. What are these women actually experiencing? What is actually available to them? And is it true that women are choosing abortion because they absolutely have no other options? I mean, when Christians say we need to make abortion unnecessary. I just get so fired up because abortion is never necessary. And so if we have a if we've gone to using that word, we have already adopted the pro-abort premise. Yes. We've already said said, "Oh, okay, well they say it's necessary, so it must be necessary." Well, let's find out if it actually is. And the actual truth is that abortion is never necessary. And in this country, we have so, women have so many other options. Now, I believe you know, women, we we say, right, that women are strong, women are capable, mm -hmm. women can do anything. You know, this is the message of the feminist movement. Yeah, women that's right. are just as capable. And I believe that women are strong and women are capable. And um, so why do we then on the flip side say that, well, women couldn't possibly take responsibility for their own child. Women, women couldn't, we couldn't expect women to figure out what to do if they end up pregnant. Um, and it's a difficult circumstance. We couldn't expect women to actually just figure out a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. And that's wrong too, because we should actually be confident that women can figure it out. Women have all of the time and great things have come from it. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a, there's a woman running for Senator in Pennsylvania. Her name's Kathy, Kathy, uh, she has an awesome story I just watched on YouTube. And her story is her mom was raped at the age of 11. Her mom chose to have her. And mm. it's just this powerful testimony. Her mom said it wasn't even an option that it wouldn't have my child. And I'm so glad that nobody was telling me that I should because the, the evil reason, had, the evil thing had already mm. happened. The evil thing already needed to be dealt with and it needed to be dealt with regardless. Mm. Um, so why would we heap another violent act onto the first violent act of rape in those cases? And I just think right. it's really important for Christians to get very clear on these things because mm -hmm. we get really uncomfortable when the extreme things come up and we think, start to think, oh, maybe we should, maybe we should allow it in some cases. No, we need to get right. clear on what abortion is when life begins and mm -hmm recognize that there are circumstances that do require an incredible amount of compassion and we should have that and we should show that. But the truth is that the truth of the gospel can restore any of these situations. I mean, I have a good friend who was raped and it was an awful, mm. awful thing, uh, but she's just living the most <clears throat> victorious life you could imagine. And it's because of Christ. It's wow. because of the work that he's done in her life. And, um, and so just this idea that maybe we should Consider the idea of allowing another evil on this woman's life in those right. circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's just abhorrent to me. So I know what you mean. I, I, I think it's really important that we don't buy into people's worldview when we, when we enter the conversation. Yes. And we see that on all of the issues right now of justice. Mm -hmm. so, and the thing is, is that I think as Christians, we want to be nice people. Right we might not know what that means all the time. We want to be kind. Yes. We want to show the love of Christ. And so what I think has happened is the left has become, they're obviously trying to manipulate words and manipulate ideas because they want to, they want to win arguments. Mm -hmm. Fine. Mm -hmm. What's really sad to me is to see Christians that, that kind of agree with the left's, uh, I've been reading a lot recently, so I'm not trying to sound smart, but they're, they're, uh, you know, telos or telos, whatever that word is. Like they, they agree with where they're going. Mm -hmm. they, they're like, yeah, that's where we need to go. Yeah. And so since we, 
we agree with that's going to be a better world. A better world is going to be a world where no one has any material need. And if, and, and if no one has any material need, they have all the money they want. They all have health insurance. Nobody's lacking for anything. And if they had all those things, then it would be completely unnecessary Mm -hmm. to ever have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, we're going to start changing stuff around. And the reason I think that what you said is really smart that we need Christians to begin to understand worldview, Bible, how the Bible applies to life, is that when I see these Christians take on that left uh, telos or telos, if my wife is here, she'd tell me what, how to, you know how to pronounce it? Yeah. Okay. T E L O S. But telo means where you're going, what, where, what's your end game, where, where do you see this going, and what do you hope to happen? They've taken that on. And, and, and in taking that on, they, they, they just haven't understood the biblical point of view that says this. If you, even if you meet everybody's material need, Absolutely. you meet, yes. they have as much food as they can ever want. Mm-hmm. They have all the health insurance in the world. They have the, mm-hmm. People are going to sin. Mm-hmm. People are going to do yes. nasty stuff yes. because we are born into sin. Yes. And it's remarkable to me to see them do that. And that's why I don't like that they have tried twisting all of this around to where the the secular telos is actually better than the biblical telos, if you will. So um, at the risk of embarrassing myself for mispronouncing telos or telos over and over and over, telos maybe, um, um, I'm sure I'll get a text from James White saying, your Greek is horrible, you're pronouncing it wrong. I already know the words, so you're already ahead of me there. Yeah, go ahead and text me, James. You don't pronounce anything right. Uh, Anyway, um, but, but the point is, is this, we are taking the left, we're taking their talking points and going, okay, well, that has to be true. Therefore, and so, you know, this is just completely um, anecdotal. Mm-hmm. But as I pulled up here, right before this interview, so I pulled up in my car and a stranger walks over to me and he says, hey, bro, do you want to buy any food stamps? And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm all good. And he's like, well, I'm not good. I got all these food stamps and no drugs. So he's mad. He's getting food stamps from the government. Now, this is anecdotal. I'm not saying everybody on food stamps is on drugs. That's not what I'm saying. So nobody tweet me, please. That's obviously not true. But the, but the, the, the point that what I read to you from Ali Bestucki's show, her guest, the point he's making is, well, yeah, the abortion has become extreme. But you have to ask yourself, why has that started? We have not been taking care of people. And so in your experience or with statistics on a, either a national level or in just our little city of Kenosha, right. are the people coming here, coming here because they are actually destitute? Mm-hmm. If, they're, if, if you make me have this child, mm-hmm. I'm going to be on the street. I will not be able to survive. There's nothing to do with the child. There's no foster care agencies available. Of course, let's not know about foster care yet because <laughs> the, even the Christian left has begun saying yes. it's actually a really unjust to put a kid in foster care. That's even worse than killing it. Even the Christian left yes. is beginning to yes. appropriate that argument. So is it the case that people are as destitute as the guests on Ali Bessucky's show says. Yeah, that has not been our experience. So I'll give you a little bit of our numbers. These mirror the nationwide statistics as far as um, the amount of abortions and reasons why people would be considering abortion. You say they do mirror? They do mirror, okay. yes. Yeah. So we have seen 138 women over the last 12 months that were, are, were planning to abort. So not just undecided or vulnerable to abortion, but actually came in intending to have an abortion. And we are able to see that high of a number because we're partnered with a great organization called Human Coalition. If you're connected to a pregnancy center, definitely recommend checking them out. They've been hugely helpful to us. They have an awesome um, ministry and marketing and uh, call center that's really fantastic. Um, mm. So little plug plug in for them, but that's how we're able to see so many women first who are planning to have abortions. A lot of them, when they come in, they even have, uh, they even have their appointment scheduled for, with the abortion clinic. Okay. So it's like, All right. you know, they're coming to us with this intention. And the majority of women that we see, um, actually, 100% of the women that we see are not in that circumstance that you're describing, that if you make me have this baby, you know, we, um, uh, I won't have a home, I won't have food on the table. That's not the case. Like I said, our country provide has enormous safety nets available um, for people. Ooh. So these women, they have places to live. A lot of them would 
like an improved housing situation. So one of the things that we do is we immediately start to work with them towards that. Okay, let's talk about how we can be making steps over the next over the next nine months to work towards that goal. Um, something that we want like, to work with. Is that with. like financial planning? What do you mean yeah. by that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we'll help them. Really? Or find out what what different housing resources are available to them because various people can qualify for just different types of housing mm. assistance. Okay. And that would vary state to state. But there's also help and resources with that. So, uh, but yeah, we'll do budgeting and financial planning with mm. women that want to work with us, want to change their situation and want, you know, to... Um, get improved housing or something like that. But these women have homes, they have food on the table, they have their basic needs met, they have access, like I said, to healthcare. So this idea that if we just give them more money, then that would stop abortions. That's not mm. even the real reasons when you when we're saying we can address these issues, in a lot of the cases, they still choose to abort anyway, because the reason mm. that they're doing it isn't because of those things at the end of the day. If they wanted to figure it out, they could figure it out. I see. It, the, the reason is they just want to have an abortion. And we've lived in a society that has said, do what feels good to you. Yes, Whatever right. is best for you. If this is not great timing, then, you know, it's it's your truth. There's no absolute truth anymore. Mm. It's just whatever is best for you. And so that is really the, the, un, the reason at the heart of it. Mm. We thought, okay, if we can address the, <clears throat> these financial reasons, because that's what you hear, right? It's all, it's, It's financial things. That's why women are aborting. But it's not. When you get to the root of it, when you start to dig in, well, we can do this for that issue. We can do this for that issue. And it's kind of like, not in all cases. I mean, praise God, we've had Mm -hmm. 45 moms who changed their mind of those 138. Some of them miscarried. So almost 50%. interrupt real quick? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I I actually wanted to get to that. So 138 people came in and 45 decided. Mm -hmm. um, Am I wrong? From reading other statistics, Mm -hmm. that seems really uber high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. Oh. So, I mean, I've talked to other yeah. people that are like, we see like one, maybe a year, maybe right. two a year. Right. Right. And that's why I mentioned, you know, the organization that we partner with, because we were struggling to see abortion minded moms, because if they are going to get on and Google, I need an abortion, you know, they're going to get straight to that abortion clinic. And I when see. they go there, they're going to be sold an abortion and they're really not going to actually have informed consent. They're not going to be told about what the side, potential side effects can be or the potential emotional ramifications, which a lot of for, for a lot of women are very significant and long-term. They're, they are there to sell an abortion. And we had a, a client recently who um, came to us to have the abortion reversal pill, which is something that we do here now. And she explained her story about going and um, being really pressured to take the pills while while oh, she was really? there. Um, so of course, again, that that's anecdotal, but that is something that you hear um, quite often is that Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics, it is a business. Abortion is a money-making venture. So whereas we're here not to make any money, all of our services are free. We just genuinely do care about the woman. We care about her future. And we know that abortion, whether she thinks that that's the solution that's mm-hmm. going to help her or not, we know that it's not. So we're going to talk to her in an incredibly compassionate way. We see her as valuable. She's a she is created by God. We want her to know Christ and experience mm-hmm. his love. Um, that's why we're here. But yes, we absolutely want to tell her the truth because we know that um, she won't be told the truth if she goes. Yeah. To and, and why is it? Well, I mean, I want to ask you because then you, you'll get fired up. But have you noticed? <laughs> I bet you have noticed this. Have you noticed that even the Christian, uh, I, I, don't ever, I don't know how to label these things. I am keep calling it the Christian left on this pro-life yeah. issue. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the people that aren't pro-life like we are, who right. aren't like end abortion. Yes. We're getting rid- mm-hmm. uh, the Christian left on this side. They don't t- ever take shots at Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. You never see them right. criticize Planned Parenthood. Right. Mm-hmm. You, I don't think I've ever seen any of them, and I, and I watch these organizations, they will take shots at us. Mm-hmm. And by say us, I just mean pro-lifers yeah. or pro-birthers. Mm-hmm. They'll take shots at you and your clinic mm-hmm. because you're not doing enough or this or the church didn't do enough or we didn't. They will not. take. It's almost like they have a worldview that says, maybe I don't agree with Planned Parenthood and everything, but at least they're trying to help women. But we are not. Mm-hmm. Yet I keep seeing all these undercover things with Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. that do not sound like they really, it sounds like there's billions of dollars being made in the yes. abortion industry. Yes. And that, it's not incorrect to say. Is that, no. is that too pejorative? <laughs> you know, is that too yeah. extreme or is that accurate? That's accurate. And also 
plenty of findings of other shady things like the sale of um, body, body parts. parts. I mean, it's just it's a disgusting industry. So to not criticize that, you're exactly right. They they won't criticize it, and they're they're quick to say, oh, they 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 do other things to help women. Yeah, we don't like the abortion part. They don't. They do other things though to help women. It's right. like we have become so numb. Our consciences have been come so yeah. seared on this issue. These are places that the brains of babies are being blown out. I mean, I know that that's graphic, but that is the reality of what's yeah. happening in these places. So just add on a few months to that child. Would you be okay with that if that was a newborn? Would you Would right. you approach it in the, sure. in the same way? People are bringing their newborns in and they're doing to them what they do actually do in abortions. I mean, it's hard to even say out loud what they do mm -hmm. in these abortion procedures. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. So would we say, oh, I know that they're doing that in that room, but in the room next to it, they're just, they're, they they are really caring about women. They're giving them birth mm -hmm. control and they're giving them some education and things like that. We, why, would we, I hope we wouldn't do that. No. It's just disgusting. They just these places not, are awful. They will not criticize the left. Right. Mm -hmm. I think you know why. They, yes. You know what they want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this shirt is not for them because they want those woke, those they woke cookies. Yes. yes. Um, selling body parts and experimenting on fetal tissue is not okay unless you're Francis Collins, who is the evangelical, yes. you know, he, you know, the, the, the woke Christians are fine with it with Francis Collins. Oh, he loves the Lord. I'm sure he does. Oh, he I'm does. Sure oh, he's brother. <laughs> that just makes me sick, you know. Well, yeah. Anyway, let's move on past that. Okay. So I'm be rude. All right. So so the experience that you've had here and and you think is probably mirroring other uh, places in the nation. Obviously is not to say that there is no one that is destitute. No one that is in right. an actual right. dire situation. Right. But that is 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 more the exception to the rule because of the safety net mm -hmm. that there actually is. Yes. And so what about this? What if they say, okay, fine, but I don't think I can, I can keep the baby, but I'm okay with giving the baby up. So mm -hmm. I'm okay to have the baby. Because yes. a lot of what the, the Christian left says is, you guys don't care about the baby afterwards. All you want is the birth, and then you don't care. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of girls, I would think, would be overwhelmed. Well, how do I even know who to give this to, how to do foster care, how to do, yeah. what I, you help them with that, right? Yes, or no? yes we do. So we, when we're giving <clears throat> women all of their options, adoption is one of the options in the list. It's not one that many people are interested in. Interestingly, most women will say, oh, well, if I had my, carried my baby all the way through, I'd want to parent my baby. And so, but they're, they're fine with aborting, but they mm -hmm. would, that's so want, yeah. bizarre. Um, so they would rather abort yes. the child yes. because they wouldn't be able to deal with the heartache yes. of letting it go. Yes, but that's partly a societal thing, that message that we've sent that this is actually no big deal. It's not a person yeah. yet. So, you because know. it's just, very sterile, right? right? It's right. almost like uh -huh. that's a surgical procedure. Right. Yes. And, and, and it just goes away. Yes. But if they carry the baby all the way to term, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to let someone else have that kid. Right. But yeah. there are two million people in the United States that are waiting on a waiting list to adopt an infant. So this is a big misconception as well, that if if abortion goes away, um, which isn't what's on the table even with Rose, it's just going yes. back to the states to decide. But if, you know, Roe is overturned, then it, what will we do with all these babies? Well, there is this two million person waiting list to adopt an infant. And it's different than the foster system. If Parents choose adoption. Their child doesn't go into the foster system. They actually get to choose a waiting family and be a part of that process. And they're part of the decision-making mm. as far as how much contact they'll be able to have with that family. Open open adoption is much more common now and seen as really healthy for the child to be actually be able to know who their biological parents are and have something of a relationship with mm. them as well. Um, so the biological parent gets to have a say in all of that if they're choosing adoption. They get to select I didn't the family. Know that. Yes. So foster care is when you've decided to have your baby, parent your child, and the you know county steps in and sees that you are not doing mm -hmm. an adequate job for one re reason or another and then removes your child from the home. That's when the child would end up in foster care. So that is a misconception that we're able to address with moms as well. Because a lot of times they say, well, I, you know, I wouldn't want my baby to end up end up in that situation, then we get to just say, well, and, you, and when they say in yes. the system, in the they system. mean foster care, yes, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Because if they are choosing uh, adoption, then they, like I said, would select the family, have a relationship with the family. And even after they've delivered their child, at any point along the process, they're able to change their minds. Even after they've delivered, if they decide, you know what, this is my child and I want to raise this child. Obviously, that's hard for an adoptive family, but they know that the, the biological mom has that has I that see. right. And that's, and that's how right. long does yep. that last until they would sign the, the papers, which is just dependent on okay. usually a few days. A few mm-hmm. days old. In- yeah. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, because I keep hearing on the left and now I'm beginning here paired it on the Christian left. Mm-hmm. Those are my categories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that basically the church isn't doing what it needs to do to step up. There's 40 million I don't know. I don't remember the numbers they yes. say, but they always say these gigantic numbers. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's four billion trillion mm-hmm. trillion zillion kids waiting to be whatever, mm-hmm. and people won't step up and do it. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I texted you the other night. I said, "This doesn't seem true to me, but I haven't studied it." Yeah. But the the it, so what, what is? How many more Christians adopt, or, or maybe we should say yeah. religious people? Yeah. How many more religious people adopt than your typical? Is it the case that the world's out there doing all the work and Christians right. are like, all I care about was the birth. I don't want any right. kids. Yeah. No, so the uh, society at large, 2% have adopted a child. In, for Christians, it's 5%. So over twice as many Christian households have adopted as just mm. the general population. And it's the same in foster care. Far more Christians are are fostering than anyone else. It's a much higher percentage. We're licensed foster parents. We fostered three children. We're not currently fostering, uh, but we are care very much about, the, about mm-hmm. those kids. And even being in that system and seeing how dysfunctional it is and how, how some of the things that could be fixed, it just seems almost like there isn't they don't want to fix it in a sense is kind of what our experience was. It seems like this is intentionally dysfunctional because a Mm. lot of things could, in my opinion, be changed pretty easily. Um, But it doesn't seem like there's, uh, but it's kind of, to me, it seems like there's an intention to keep a crisis uh, where foster parents really are not. uh, And this is, probably different state to state, but our experience was foster parents aren't really involved in the decision-making process at all, even though they're doing the bulk of the work. Foster parents are paid a really low stipend for caring for children uh, when everyone else involved in the care of this child is is paid. And so, uh, uh, and so it's no wonder that it's difficult to keep kind of keep people doing it when mm. you're basically kind of sacrificing everything and then there's no kind of return you don't have really a say in any of the yeah. process which isn't to say that we shouldn't do it as christians we should absolutely you know if, if you're prompted step in and do that but there's a lot of things that i just think interesting why is there money for everything under the sun you right. know every pet project i mean there's just government money being wasted mm-hmm. every which way but yet there isn't money to pay the people that are caring for these children 24/7. I know that there could be debates and comments about oh well, then there's people that are doing it for them for right. the money. Well then if you actually have a situation where there is money going towards that, you can um, you could have tighter regulations and have stricter oversight mm. and actually have more of a pool of people to pull from. I'm getting on a, a tangent here but um, interesting this is, yes. and let me ask you this. Yeah. Is it common knowledge? Like, in other words, if it, it, would there be people, if you were to say, mm-hmm. hey, uh, over twice as many uh, Christian people or even just religious people, you want to say yeah. whatever, over twice as many religious people adopt to, direct to the rest of the population. Um, same with foster care. Mm-hmm. There, the Christians, probably Catholics, I'm assuming, for what I've seen online um, and what I are actually doing actually doing the bulk of this yes. work, would there be people that would, is that common knowledge or the people that would balk at that? Uh, I would say anyone who's been involved in those type of things would say that that's pretty common knowledge. They would say, you have okay. any, any kind of knowledge of, or have been around those types of circles. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the lefts, uh, and, and again, they, the, the people that call us pro-birth, mm-hmm. they say, okay, so your clinic, you, you don't care about the fact that, that women don't have health insurance. We covered that. Mm-hmm. Well, what if they're in a situation where they've been abused? As well, we have a social worker here free of charge to, to deal with that. What about uh, what are some of the other things they would say? Um, well, they don't uh, they don't know what to do with adoption or with foster care, and we've dealt with that. Um, what would be other 
other reasons that the left says that we don't care about women. I don't even know what the arguments are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that another one that I've seen is, oh, we we shouldn't shame women. We shouldn't. Oh yeah, the um, shame one. Yes. We shouldn't make them feel shame. And and while I agree with one one sense of that, as far as definitely the way that we talk with women matters, the way that we talk with making sure that we're treating them as we would want to be treated is always right. incredibly important. But the idea behind that is that it isn't good for people to feel shame. And we know biblically it is actually good for people to feel mm. right sorrow for their sin. And that's where we've gotten as a society in not actually uh, just the sexual liberation, sexual revolution, anything goes, whatever feels good, just do it. We've gotten to this situation where people don't even realize that how depraved the activities that they're mm. participating in are. And so even in sharing the gospel, it's difficult because it's there isn't an awareness of sin. An awareness of sin, absolutely. And so let me ask you this then. I've read this online that there are a lot of people, um, I want to come back to the shame thing, mm -hmm. but that there are a lot of repeat mm -hmm. of, of, of pe people have more than one abortion, yes. two abortions, three abortions. Yes. And is that um, your experience as well? Yes, yes. So we now have had, um, in two cases, women who came to see us a year ago were considering abortion, decided to um, have their baby back again in the same circumstance. And that's mm. really difficult for us. I mean, we want to So I would think, can I interrupt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would think if they were coming here yeah. and you were mean to them yes. and treating them bad yes. and explain yes. to them that mm -hmm. they're, barbarians mm -hmm. or something like that. If you are not treating them with all the things the Christian left says that we right. don't treat them with, yes. dignity, respect, yes. there's hope, yes. God restores, right. um, this is your decision, you're mm -hmm. not forcing them to do something. I don't think they'd be coming back again Absolutely. a second time. Yes. So no. I just want to mention that, but yes. go ahead with your story. Yeah, we <clears throat> keep relationship with these women long-term as long as they'll want to keep relationship with us because we do care about them. We mm -hmm. care that they don't have any hope, that they've been so demoralized by their life circumstance. We want to see them come out of that. We believe that the hope is Christ for that. There is no, there's no humanistic solution mm -hmm. to bring them out of that. We know that there's hope and the hope is only in Christ. And the hope in Christ is found through repentance and turning to him as Lord. And so we want people to experience him when they're here and, and to experience love. There's women who um, have chosen life and we've kept in contact. And um, one of them recently just said to me, I'm so thankful that I came in to you and didn't go first to my abortion appointment because I just love this baby so much. And you wow. are the voice. You were the voice that actually spoke for him and yes. brought me to my senses. Mm -hmm. And so those kinds of things are just, we are not helping women by telling them to abort their child, their flesh. And if we are Christians and we actually know the truth mm -hmm. that God created the child in that woman's womb, then we absolutely should have utter confidence that God intends to use this pregnancy for good in the mm -hmm. woman's life. And the absolute worst thing that we could do is to encourage her in any way, shape, or form that the best thing she needs to do, what she needs is actually, you know, to be able to pursue <clears throat> going to college or pursue her career. That's more important than yeah. this life that God has created in her womb. And so... As Christians, we should be so clear on that. We yes, should be so right. clear that we are not helping women by catering to what society is saying to them. Our message should be so countercultural, and we should reject the humanistic idea that women need abortion to be successful. We know that that's Absolutely. not true. We know that it actually, in many cases, gives them something to wake up for. It gives them something to work towards. Gives them some hope that, oh, I need to... I need to hustle because I now need to provide for this child, my mm -hmm. child. You know, it instills in them a level of there's something worth living yeah, for. Yeah, and here. responsibility, responsibility. And, 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 you know, the future. Right. And who do I want to be? What do yes. I want to do? What right. do I want to accomplish in life? I mean, there's yes. a study I'm sure you're aware of. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but basically the idea was this. Uh, and, and this is sociological, mm -hmm. statistical research in America um, that if you do three things, 
And that is uh, graduate high school. Um, don't get married until you are 21. Sorry, I messed them up. Graduate high school, number one. Yeah. Number two, get a job. And that's any job. You, that could be McDonald's. You don't have to get, you don't have to get quote, a good job or a high paying job. Any job will do. Cutting grass, McDonald's, whatever. Mop, mop the floors, clean dishes. Um, and then number three, don't get married until you're 21. And, and uh, they call it three reasons, but, but and they say, don't get married until you're 21 and wait to marry to have kids. Exactly. So it's, it's actually four, but yeah, uh-huh. they make it into three. So let's just say them against people, people here. Graduate high school, get any full-time job, don't have a kid until you get married at 21. And if you do those three things, you have a 90% chance, 90 plus percent chance of being lifted out of poverty in America. That doesn't matter what city you're born in, how much money your parents had, your economic status, where you went to school, color of your skin, male, female, none of those things matter. 90, we live in a country, (laughs) this is amazing to me, that if you do those things, then you have a 90% chance of not being poor. And and, and the reason I I am bringing that up is to say that a lot of people accuse us us, the pro-birthers, apparently, as being mean because we say, well, God has a, a system and a plan. And what God wants to do is create families. And that is a part of his authority. It's a part of his government, if you will. The government of God oversees all government. And part of those things he oversees is a government, a sphere of family and of a man and a woman raising their children. And this leads me to my question for you, either nationally or anecdotally in your clinic, how many, what percentage of people are coming here thinking of having abortions who are married? Mm-hmm. It, it, and I, I'm, I was wanting to look some statistics up on that. Yeah. I'm wondering, is this a thing that people are just like, hey, we, we can't afford it. Is this what it is? Or is it mainly going to be issues outside of that family sphere? So the nationwide statistic is 86% of women who have abortions are unmarried. And that's oh, really? 86? 86%, yes. All right, so that 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 just blows the entire thing. And yep. In other words, we're not mean for saying that God has a structure of government and authority that actually works exactly. with families, keeping in, uh, sex between a man and a woman in a marriage relationship and blah, blah, blah. We're not just making that up. Not making 86%. that up. 86%. And those bear with our statistics as well, but also in adi- I, we have some additional insight of the remaining few that are married. The majority of those were considering abortion because the baby wasn't their husband's or there's a possibility that the baby wasn't their husband. So again, you're looking at a situation that this is outside of the what we know is right and the context for um, marriage and um, faithfulness within marriage. When you get outside of that, that is where you start to see these things breaking down. So the idea that we just need to be mm. nicer, just need to provide more money. I mean, the problem is sin. The problem is lack of responsibility and sin. And if we as Christians aren't willing to say that this is what, we're not willing to actually declare what the good law of God is in the earth mm-hmm. and the good plan and purpose of God that we know has a common grace for all who yeah. abide by it because we've seen that. Um, so it's not that we're meanies for we're just trying to hold you to this, you know, this standard. It's This standard is good for you across the board, regardless of whether you believe in Jesus yet or not. This standard will bless your life. As you mm. said, if you follow these, you know, these things, these few, very few things you're going to, you have, you've given your kids the ultimate privilege. You know, if you're just married to yes. your spouse and have children, marriage and then children, you've given your, your children the absolute best privilege bar none that they could have. Yeah. Um, I read that. I read that new, you know, that that's mm-hmm. their, I don't know if it's a new category, but for people watching them might not know, yeah. we hear about male privilege. Right. We hear about white privilege. Right. Two parent privilege. Two-parent privilege. And yes. now they're saying this is actually the worst kind of privilege because <laughs> children that grow up with two parents do so much better than other kids. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't saying that there are people watching that right. uh, if you only have one parent or yeah. if you're a single parent, yeah. 
Hey, we, we have tons of Absolutely. love for you. God's got grace for you. Absolutely. The empowering presence of the Holy Spirit Absolutely. can help you get over anything. Yes, right. And that's why I always say, if you're in the kingdom of God, you've got kingdom privilege. Um, if you're in the kingdom, you cannot claim to be a victim. Right. What all of us are, we are so lucky to know God. Yes. Uh, lucky is not the right. We're so blessed to know God. Yes. We're so blessed and we can overcome. So that's not about that. It's mm-hmm. just to say, now the world is finally recognizing well, those people are doing better than these people. And, and it's actually, in the end, not about their gender, mm-hmm. their color of skin. It's actually because they have two-parent privilege. Right. And it's the worst privilege of all, right. except it's the best privilege yes. of all. And yes. the world even recognizes it. Absolutely. It's kind of And it's crazy funny. that we can't, we're not allowed to say that. We're not allowed, yeah. to, we're not allowed to talk about the fatherlessness Issue yes. that they can use you know, the two parent privilege yes. to attack us, yes. but we can't use it to say, say yeah, hey, do what we do. This is a problem. This is yeah. a problem. And perhaps it, it looks like, I mean, if, if you look at when these the war on poverty began and this, those statistics of when all of these different policies started that, that encouraged single motherhood, it looks like those policies that now you're saying we have to support if we're going to call ourselves pro life, it kind of looks like those directly cause the breakdown of the family. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have a little bit more kind of fear and awe of what it is that we're actually pushing and, and celebrating as yeah. a moral good. Maybe we need to step back and consider, has this actually been a benefit to society? Mm-hmm. Because the breakdown of the family as a Christian should be, should it just should grieve us to the core because mm-hmm. the family was instituted by God and is such a, I mean, it's the, it's the start of every, the core of everything, every, you know, advancing God's kingdom moves out, you know, from his design of, of the family, you know, that fear is such a gift and a blessing from him. So if we are just allowing this to be just destroyed and we are not saying to you know the world that there is a way to to do this to that is going to bring blessing to your mm-hmm. life then we're not loving people we're not caring about people we're not caring about women when we're not telling them that and and sharing that message in a loving way with them that there Absolutely. is a better way for them to live there is a better way for their children um, we're not supporting them by just mm. saying well here's another here's another program for you here's a little bit more money that's not the most loving it's just going to keep them in this cycle of dysfunction. And that's, that's what we see, um, is Mm. just, um, cycles of dysfunction where, yeah, people are, are just stuck. It seems to me that the, the Christian left position on this, uh, and they're not going to like this pejorative either. This is a great word for, we we should name the episode pejoratives. (laughs) Um, but this is what I think about their, their ideas seem so humanistic to me. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost like they're looking at the Bible mm-hmm. and they think that, yeah, even the ones that say, well, I know the Bible works, but you can't expect people to live by that. So they want to ignore what the Bible says will work. Meaning, why don't we teach like sexual ethics? Right. You know, why not say at 11 years old, don't start having sex. Right. Why don't we do that, yes. right? Why don't we teach where sex you know, belongs within marriage and this and the other? Fatherlessness, you never hear the Christian left almost ever talk about the issue of fatherlessness. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre to me yeah. because again, even the secular world now will notice statistically, they won't, they won't use it for anything to build society on, but they will say, well, yeah, that's the biggest privilege of all. Mm-hmm. Having two parents just seems to work. Mm-hmm. They won't talk about any of those things, right. and, but they want to keep trying to fix it with these other things, which is the definition of humanism, yes. isn't it? Yes. That's, not, that's not biblical truth. That is a humanistic way to try to manufacture society and make it work. And in that, say, yeah, but we but we're the ones that love women by putting things in place that we know is not going to actually work. Right. Or maybe they're actually blinded and they actually think that it will work because they don't understand that God gives his way and it works. And then if it's not God's way, it don't work. Mm-hmm. Do you th- what do you think? You think that they don't believe what the latter that I just said, or is it the other thing? I hope, I hope that there's <laughs> a, it's more of a naivety blindness to recognizing God did actually give us 
a pattern and a standard. He gave us a standard that we can follow. We're, it's, we're not left in the dark about how, how to handle these things. So when people say, well, you know, you have your way of how you would deal, you know, deal with this and I have mine and they're both kind of on the same playing field. It's like, well, we actually have a way to know if they are in the same playing field or not. Right. And that's the word of God. And if what your solutions are, are all of the world's solutions, then I think that that should give a person pause to think, mm. oh, maybe, maybe I have allowed the world to tra- shape my thinking a little bit more than yes. I've allowed the, the word of God to shape my thinking. Because as Christians, we know that there are going to be things that we believe and say that are going to be hated by the world. Mm-hmm. So if the world is just applauding us and everything that we and we actually, this is, I think, the root of the issue is we've gotten so seeker, the seeker sensitive movement has made us absolutely unwilling to say anything yes. that would offend anyone, you know, and, and hurt somebody's feelings. And it's like, that, that that is just wrong. We need to speak the truth. Otherwise, what are we attracting them to? Basically a prettied up version of the same thing, you know, yes. there's, there's no, there's no, uh, salt. We're, we're not salty if that's the case. And we're good for right. nothing but to be thrown out and trampled. I mean, that we need yeah. to be salty. We should be saying things that are contrary to culture, that not just for the sake of offending people, but if it's the truth, then we should, should be saying it. Absolutely. And there are lots of opportunities to be speaking the truth into the humanistic society that we're seeing because our society thinks completely contrary to the word of God. So the things that we are saying to society should be mm-hmm. kind of not liked. And yes. if we're afraid afraid of that, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm.